we're trying to create people who are a force to be reckoned with, who don't, who don't just know what they believe, but they know why they believe it. And they can defend it articulately, passionately, and without backing down. Not being a jerk, but certainly um, not letting down. Their truth and their core political belief is their religion. And they are so adamant and passionate and emotional about it because that is their God with a little G. God really pressed on his heart. You need to go back to the girl that you had that abortion with and you need to apologize to her and you need to apologize to her face to face. Fetus phobic is someone who is afraid of the natural consequences of heterosexual sex and is terrified of a preborn child, of a little baby. And I like to say that Roe v. Wade is the story or the court case everyone has heard of, but nobody knows anything about. Welcome, as I said, Dr. Alveda King to Feed Ace podcast. Dr. King, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jerry. And hello, everyone. Uh, Governor Walker, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Or great to be with you. I should say it's a pleasure for me to be here. I think Rush is doing that, too. And he's doing it at a time of COVID the crisis. And he is, he's basically saying, look, I may be dying, but I'm not dead. Father Pavone, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jerry. It's great to be with you and uh, with our viewers. But they have an objective. The objective is more tax money, more control, and a promotion of a political ideology. It's a pro-socialist, secular worldview Hello and welcome to another edition of Feed Ace Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. Hey, usually before each episode, I give a little bit of an overview uh, talking about what I am going to talk to my guest about today. Uh, this time I'm going to let someone else do that talking and share a little bit of a speech um, that uh, I think you're going to want to hear. So take a listen. So... CRT, for such a complex, controversial topic, I have a very simple question. Why? What is the purpose? What does it solve? What does it actually teach? Does it teach our children to value one another regardless of skin color? Does it teach our children to take pride in our country, a country where a man can be a slave, come from nothing, yet give birth to a generation of children that have everything? I grew up in Mallon, Tennessee, graduated from Mallon High School. At the time I attended, blacks made up 15% of the school population. Whites were dominant. As I reflect on my experience, not once did I feel inferior, as CRT suggests, not once was I oppressed. The bar and expectations that were set at the time were for all students, regardless of race. I left the public school system and my family knowing I could accomplish anything and my skin color was the very least of my concern. We must teach all children, regardless of color, you are the writer of your own life in any system set in place that threatens your dignity and freedom you have the power to eliminate one voice and one vote at a time okay and so that uh, very very eloquent and passionate uh, speech uh, was done by my guest today her and her name is fallon clark fallon welcome to feed ace podcast Hey, Jerry, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I, I was I'm really excited to have you on to talk about uh, because this this uh, critical race theory and, and all these uh, these parents, you know, frustrated parents that are going to school boards and and, and demanding accountability and demanding for their voices to be heard is happening all over the place. And and uh, your speech was really, really good. I will absolutely encourage everybody to go listen to the whole speech. What I played was one minute with some excerpts from it, but it's a five minute speech. 
So you'll want to hear the whole thing. So let's talk about this, um, this speech in this video, you, you know, you, you said a lot of things in it. What compelled you to get up and speak? Um, so I will tell you, for me, CRT was not necessarily an isolated incident. It wasn't just that specific topic. It was a series of events. My child is 16 years old. He's been in the public school system his entire life. And I already had an issue with the culture of the schools, but I was I was never really sure how to approach it. I just knew something wasn't right. Um once CRT was kind of introduced, it was like the light bulb came on and everything that I had experienced on top of now CRT being introduced. There's just no way it just didn't make sense anymore. And I, I couldn't I couldn't be quiet anymore. Yeah, no. And that's and I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing. And, and they are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out here. And especially I think it's concerning when we have a lot of these these teachers or schools that are that are hiding the information that they're teaching uh, from the parents. And that's very concerning. So something you said in your in your talk is you talked about how when you went to school, you went to a school in this area and that you've never experienced any hatred. And sounds like you you obviously have done well, but your son is sort of experiencing it but in a different way, explain that a little. So that's what I say, like when I'm talking about the culture of the schools, the environment is very, very different from what I experienced growing up. And I, I really, really absolutely hate to do the whole black and white thing, but I can only communicate, you know, what I've experienced. So I will say like in my speech for me, you know, I was in a predominantly white school. I assume it was a good school district, but I never, the expectation was the same all across the board. I never felt like, oh, I was expected to do less because I was black. Now, here we are, fast forward with him. He's in a predominantly black school, but it's like every stereotype, every every disadvantage that you've ever heard of <laughs> is reinforced. And, and that is mind blowing to me as though he's not expected to do well. The bar is extremely, extremely low. Um, I can tell you, even, for example, um, his middle school graduation, there were no academic awards. That's mind blowing. There are only, you know, the person that's going to grow up and be a comedian or the person that's going to grow up and be a, a basketball player, just the stereotypical roles. I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, that that is that is crazy. And I think, you know, something I gathered from it, um, from your talk and from other things that I read is that it almost seems as though, you know, those that are pushing all this are trying to bring about division amongst race, you know, where, where kids are black and white going to school together, they're playing on the playground. They don't think twice about it. If they don't like someone, it's because they don't like someone, not because of their skin color. And then all of a sudden it comes out and see little Johnny is white and he's an oppressor and Andrew here is black and he's oppressed. And it, it seems as though they're creating division when it's not there. In my opinion, w would that be wrong in your opinion? I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really sad. So tell me about the either backlash or uh, positive feedback you've gotten since, um, since this speech. Cause I do see it, the speech that is all is, is all out there. I don't know if it's considered that it's gone viral, but it, uh, it certainly caught my attention. 
So um, I will say um, somehow I've, I've landed on a lot of different platforms. Okay. Definitely was not anticipated. Um, I have had a lot of people reach out to me privately. Um, I know me and my friends, we kind of joke about it, you know, like imagine, you know, it, they say it's tough being black in America, but Amer imagine being conservative and black, you know, but I will say a lot of people have silently, quietly messaged me and let me know, Hey, I appreciate you for saying what you said. I agree one hundred percent but it's just hard sometimes to like how you said with the backlash because I've had you know people say hateful things as well and just completely absurd like no logical rebuttal other than oh you're a sellout you're not da, da, da. um but I, I don't even entertain it you know I just focus on positive and people reaching out to me and letting me know like, hey, they agree or, you know, I'm doing the right thing. That's, that's just confirmation for me to continue to stand firm on what I know to be right and true. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, I, I think that there are way more people out there like you um, than, not, than, than you think. Maybe not what you think. Maybe you're seeing that. And I think when you put it out there, people will people will be drawn to that. So I think it's really great. And, you know, I, I want to ask you about something that you, you talked about with your son and there were no, you mentioned there were no academic re awards for his middle school. Um, there, there tends to be, and maybe this is controversial, maybe it's not, but there tends to be, unfortunately in the black community, some type of like uh, stigma about being, um, being a good student. Right. I mean, I could remember a young guy I worked with. He was black. We worked at the same place. We were in college. We went to the same college and he was a great kid. Great guy. The not any white person, but other black people made fun of him. Because he was he you know, they called him white. Right. They were saying, oh, he's too white and all this kind of stuff. And when, in fact, the best thing we can do is have a value in education. But it seems like there's that stigma. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. I wish I could say that you were, but you are not. Um, even with my son, with myself, anytime, and I, I think I have friends that agree also, anytime we deviate from what is considered, I guess, a normal Black person, or I guess that stereotypical Black person, you get accused of that whole, oh, you think you're white, or you want to be white, or, or if you speak a certain way, like I had a friend that, I mean, I thought was a friend for years that like completely bashed me about straightening my hair. <laughs> this was a real thing. And I, I honestly, I don't, I have an idea where that comes from, but I can't say for sure, but it does happen. I've had a conversation with my own son where he, there was a time he wasn't proud of his grades. He wasn't proud of being a straight A student because other kids would make fun of him. Wow. Yeah. And that's so sad. And, and you know, what's crazy is it is it doesn't come from racists, right? It doesn't come from white racists, right? All of that type of thing is coming from people on the left. And, and it's really, yeah, it's really, really sad to me. It's like you said, it's lowering the bar. That's what you said in your speech. Um, so, so I want to take you through a, a handful of questions. Um, and I, and I gave them to you ahead of time. So you had a chance to think about them, but you probably, you sound like you're someone who could handle these things off the cuff anyways. But uh, I want to ask you if you and get your opinion, and this is just your opinion for anyone listening. Um, but I have a feeling we will be on the same page. So my first question is, is America systemically racist? Man, I'm going to tell you, Jerry, that was really, really a tough one. And I had to dig deep. 
I'm going to say yes, only because we know that there are systems that have stood the test of time, per se, that we could still use some work on regards to the criminal justice system, the difference in wages. These are real things that we can't say don't exist, okay? And I would put them under under that umbrella. Okay, uh, second question is, are Blacks in this country at a disadvantage? Had to think very hard on that one as well. I believe, I'm just gonna pick on that word disadvantaged a little bit because I think I'm so comfortable in using it in certain areas and I even used it in my speech and I feel like we've overused it without really thinking about what that means, okay? So for me, when I think disadvantaged is weakness, um, defected, handicapped. And when you put it in that terms, I'm going to say absolutely not. The only people that are at a disadvantage are people that believe they're disadvantaged. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no thanks for clarifying that. And, and that wasn't um, obviously from a sort of DNA standpoint. No, not not in the slightest, um, you know, looking at it from, I guess, uh, the the I don't know if it's economic or it's societal. You know, is it easier for a you know, a black child than a white child. I mean, I guess it could all depend on if you're LeBron James's son, right? <laughs> then his kids got a lot more opportunity than mine. I'll say that much, right? Right. Um, okay. So, so next question is, is as a percentage of the black population, um, blacks are not as prosperous economically and the like, you don't see um, you don't see as many black CEOs or that kind of thing. You know, if you just simply look at the numbers, um, tell me why you think that is and what is causing it. I honestly, it's 2021. <laughs> I honestly believe it starts here. It's the mentality of thinking, oh, I can't do something because of X, Y, Z. Um, I do believe, you know, we say, you know, on that side of it, we don't see as many. But for me, I feel a shift. I feel progress. I see progress, even in the corporate office that I work in. So I, I don't really know like the actual numbers, but I do things are improving. Yeah. Um, okay. So want to shift gears a little bit into what could get a little controversial. Um and that, and that, and that is um, the, the subject of police in this country. Um, that's a very hot topic and is talked about a lot. Um, tell me, for you as a mom, do, do your, does your, you said you had a son, does he fear the police? That was the easiest question you sent to me. And the answer is no and no. To me, all this, this stuff they're putting out is fear mongering. And we don't, we don't do that in my house. We don't do that. When you look at the real numbers in that regard, there are just as many white people or Caucasian people that are being killed by the police. But why are they only giving us the images of Black Americans being killed? Not going to buy into it. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think people, people do have to look at the numbers. And actually, I think... It, in 2019, and I, and I think they need to get updated numbers, or maybe they're hiding them because they don't want to show it. There were actually twice as many unarmed white men shot and killed by police. Now, unarmed doesn't mean not dangerous or 
threatening to a police officer. There, there could be, you know, if you talk to a police officer, if they're fighting you, going for your gun, that kind of thing, they're considered unarmed. Um, I'm not for improper shootings of anyone. I don't care what color they are. I mean, what does it matter? But you're right. I think that that is um, a, a, something that's made by the media, unfortunately. Um, that's just the way it is. So, okay, next question is, has the Democrat Party hurt our country? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, my biggest thing, because this is something that, you know, that kind of ties in for me with the education system, is also the structure of the family and the family being broken down. For me, you know, all these, you know, legislative laws were passed through Democrats in regards to, you know, changing <laughs> our family dynamic and the things that we rely on in regards to being taken care of, okay? We're just going to say the breakdown of the family unit, period. When you start to get into that whole structure of the family being broken, now you have broken individuals and you have a weaker country. So to me, that that's the big picture in that regard. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up the family because that's that's such a great point. I've, um, you know, we we know these are numbers. Is that obviously the numbers of single uh, single motherhood and single parents, and it, and it's not just single, but it's the father being absent, right? There there can be cases of divorce or separation where the father is very involved, um, or there's a father figure, maybe a grandfather or uncle. That the importance of that, that but that both the rates of single motherhood have drastically increased among all the population, but it's very, very high in the black population, right? Is what, what amount, how much is that a cause of challenges today? That is huge, huge, huge. Um, I actually had a discussion last night with a young lady that I'm working with on as to how we can get men more involved, period. Um, that's something we're actively we're working on to figure out for sure. Okay. And, you know, I actually saw a, um, a study and I think it may have been from Thomas Sowell. Um, I always say if I could borrow someone else's brain, it would be his. Uh, and, and he talks about how, if you were to, if you were to take away that percent, the percentage of out of wedlock births, births in the black community and, equate them with what it is in the white community, any kind of these disparities would disappear. Wage, wealth, all these different things would disappear, meaning that they would be basically equal between white and black. Um, so I think that the family is so, so huge, um, regardless of color, right? Right. Same issue happens in any white family or any, any family and that kind of thing, even though there are certainly unbelievable single mothers out there that if you're in that situation, obviously you do the absolute best you can, but it's not the ideal situation. One more question I did have for you is if I wasn't getting controversial enough, boy, um, is you hear a lot about our country being founded on racism or founded on slavery. Uh, what is your take on that? So our country being founded on slavery. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. <sighs> So this is what I'm going to do. History. All I know is I've traced back my lineage, okay? I didn't find <laughs> anything remotely linked to slavery. So I still have a question mark there, okay? Yeah. Can we, can we? 
Yeah, no, that, that's a good, that's interesting. So you traced your backyard, you did one of those uh, DNA or, or ancestries. Uh-huh. Are you uh-huh. able to share a little bit of where your, your ancestry is from? I mean, I ended up in Oklahoma. Oh yeah. I ended, <laughs> I ended up in Oklahoma. It was a, um, an Indian reservation or whatnot, Indian community, Native American, let me correct myself, Native American. Um, then somehow we crossed into Louisiana and there was a lot of mulatto, dairy farming, sharecropping, but not anything directly actually linked to slavery. So, you know, just so thank that's your answer. That's your answer. I, um, I, I want to, you know, just to give my two cents and I won't get into it because I've asked your opinion is one of my guests on my show, uh, Jonathan McCullough. He's the uh, founder and president of Urban Conservatives America, a great guy. I asked him the same question, and, and his response was um, that the history of America is the history of the world, right? Mm. Every country has had things like slavery all over the world, every country, every color, and that kind of thing, and, and societies come out of it. You know, you know, whether you think we were founded upon that or not, um, that is his point. Um, that that's what he said. So I'll, I'll, I'll quote him cause he's a, he's a great man. Um, so just a little bit about you. So you're the director of outreach and partnership at Blexit, Tennessee, correct? Yes, sir. Now that the Blexit just, just for, I, I'm aware of what it is, but just in case for those that don't explain what Blexit is. Um, so Blexit, of course, we are a non- nonprofit agency founded by um, Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum. Um, the whole mission of Blexit is to basically, you know, empower minorities with a, a special emphasis on the African-American community um, and just kind of changing that narrative of the victim mindset. Yep. You know, I absolutely love Candace Owens. Uh, she is phenomenal. So uh, that's great that you're a part of her uh, organization. Um, and I guess, uh, I guess racism didn't stop her or you from, from becoming the, the great success that you guys are. Uh, so congratulations to, to you and uh, thank you for your great work and your, and your speech uh, at, the, uh, at the school board. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, and, and thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it, Fallon. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, really enjoy it. So where can people find you if, if you're interested in them connecting with you or, or anything like that? You can always find me on Facebook. It's just Fallon Clark. I'm still just, I'm just a regular person. <laughs> Fallon Clark, or you can find me on Instagram, IG at I am Fallon Clark. It's F-A-L-L-O-N, last name Clark. Absolutely. Yeah. Please check her out. Uh, you, you say you're a regular person, but you're really not. Uh, we're all the sort of soldiers in this, in this, uh, uh, you know, figurative war, right? So um, every person counts and that's, that's really important. So absolutely. And thank you. So, and thank all of you too, for listening to this episode of Fee Days podcast with my guest Fallon Clark. Uh, you got to check her out on uh, various social media. Uh, that's F-A-L-L-O-N Clark. Uh, you're going to love listening to her. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fee Days Podcast. Uh, please check me out on all the different podcast apps, YouTube, and Rumble, and on uh, writeamericamedia.com, 7 p.m. Wednesdays, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern uh, on Wednesdays. So uh, for some of my video podcasts. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>